Today, I will speak with author, parent expert, and huge advocate of early childhood education, Yvette Davis. She will share with us how she raised three kids, taking them from public schools to some of the top universities in the nation. She will also talk to us about her new book set, The Adventures of Sunny, and how reading to your kids can help prepare them for college. Oh, that sounds really good. Am I going to do that? <laughs> yes, you are. All right. So we, so we can go ahead and dive right into it. Um, so give us a little, you know, insight on your expertise in parenting. Sure. Um, I'd be happy to do that. Most of my um, parenting has been as a single mom. I divorced when um, my youngest was only eight years old. So at that point, I had an eight-year-old a nine-year-old and an 11-year-old, and that was quite tough. Um, and I've been a single mom since then. But you know, um, the way we are raised often reflects on how we raise our children. And my mom was a teacher. So she just instilled in me teaching and good parenting and being a solid example because that was her teaching, her training and her background. And she knew that uh, whatever she did, we would pick up on. And I just kind of carried that when I'm raising my kids. So in everything I did, I really tried to be the best example I could be for them, you know, that living, walking, talking, testimony and example. And I really saw that it's true that parenting is more about what is caught than what is taught. So just kind of using that as my motto, um, I was able to live the person that I really wanted my children to become. I've, I've never heard that before of what is caught versus what is taught because that, that is because children, you know, they learn with all five of their senses is what they see. It's what they hear is what they perceive and they perceive a lot. Uh, a lot of things that you don't directly tell them they're picking it up all the time. So they oftentimes, act out whatever they see, hear, perceive from their parents. So, um, you know, people don't always like it when I, when I share from that point of view, because oftentimes we want a one, two, three to raising a great kid. But when you live the life you want them to live, that's what they catch. So that's kind of the crux of it. And we can go a lot of different places from there, but that's the, that's the secret sauce, I think, Barbara. So, so when you talk about raising your kids um, uh, with uh, as far as getting them into top universities mm -hmm. um, from a public school, not everybody knows that all public schools may or may not be created equal, but um, right. just, just give us a little touch on that. I'm a, I'm a product of public schools. <laughs> okay. I am too. I am. So um, I was born and raised in District of Columbia Public Schools. And, you know, unfortunately, I will just speak boldly and say, unfortunately, the type of education you get really depends on the income of your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I think we can pretty much all agree with that. And I raised my kids in this, the Washington DC area. And honestly, they were not um, the best public schools. They were not the top ranking schools. They don't have the top ranking school, uh, high schools that colleges recruit from. But I made a decision to help ensure that they got the very best education that they could. And that involves one, very strong and heavy parent involvement. And two, 
supplementing their education with extracurricular activities. I think you really have to do both. So um, along with that, even though they went to, I would say adequate schools, I put them in activities that they they loved. Robotics club, my son had an interest. He used to play with connects, if you know that, those toys and Legos. So it's like, okay, well, let's utilize that. Let's join the robotics team. Later on, I saw that he had a mind for strategy. Uh, the high school did not offer a chess club. So I found one in the neighborhood and I took him to a chess club and that developed his sense of strategy and and formula. Then he began playing chess online and he was really good at it. I realized that because he had joined a couple different clubs and at each club, he ended up beating his teacher. <laughs> so I was like, okay, so these are the type of things we do. And then for my daughter, she uh, had a huge interest in law and the legal system even early on. So I searched and searched and found her a law camp that um, Howard University was sponsoring for high school kids. Their law school sponsored this uh, law camp every summer where they did mock trials and heard from lawyers and um, learned about the different careers that you could become studying law. So the, the supplemental education really helps to keep their minds stimulated, keep them interested in learning. And the key with that is keep them interested in the things they want to do, mm -hmm. not what you want to push on them as parents, but what they want to do. Um, my youngest had an interest in athletics, so she really wanted to be on soccer. So um, she did both. She was on the school soccer team and on the uh, neighborhood soccer team, Boys and Girls Club, that she could do during the summer. So those extracurriculars really help to emphasize, one, school is very important and learning can be fun. So keeping that going throughout the school year and the summer um, really helped. The second thing I would say is getting them started early. So my kids are reading by the age of four. Wow. And they can't, I, I think most kids can do this, but it, it starts with one reading to them, sitting them on your lap at two and three with those big picture books and making reading fun. You know, anything you do with your kids when they're that young, they love it because they love you. You know, they love the mommy time. They love the daddy time. So if you're sitting them on your lap every night with the book and looking at the pictures and laughing at the stories and pointing out the letters, they are going to get acclimated to reading. So reading skills, this is, um, any research would tell you this, reading skills develops cognitive recognition, um, phonetic recognition sounds early on because the brain is deciphering all this information as you point to the words and they're looking at the pictures. The brain is assimilating all this information and they're used to it. They're gonna be used to holding a book, you ask them a couple of questions. Now, what did he do? What did Mickey Mouse say? Now they're going to retain. So you're building retention skills. And that actually will translate to the SAT tests, you know, um, 12 years or, you know, 12 years later when they have to read a passage and remember facts for questions. So you start doing that at age four and five and six. So we would make trips to the library a Saturday event. And I 
I cultivated that on purpose. It's like Saturday mornings, okay, everybody clean your room so we can go to the library. Everybody gets five books. <laughs> they were so excited. <laughs> yes, and and get a library card. I mean, you, they would have thought that was a driver's license. Like, get your library card. Did you lose your library card? Oh my gosh, I don't know if you're going to be able to get any books today. So you give them that sense of joy and responsibility and something to look forward to. So it really did take off from that. We were doing that for probably a good four to five years, going to the library. You know, every two weeks or so, getting new books. We would have reading time. I would promise to take them to the park um, if they, you know, we had some reading time beforehand and then let them go play. I started doing picnics in the park with the book. I would pack a picnic basket, let them take their favorite book, lay out on a blanket. Um, we would go right by National Airport, watch the planes take off. The kids love that and, and read books. So those types of things um, that you instill, they will remember that. And it really does help them to keep that focus on reading, education, learning throughout their school career. Reading with your kids is going to have a bigger impact than you giving them a kid, uh, giving them a book and saying, go read this. So really start off reading with them. And then here's a hack right here. If your kid doesn't seem to be interested in reading, go in their room and get one or two of their books and let them see you reading it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? That's my book. It's like, oh, well, this was so interesting. I wanted to read it. No, I'm going to read it. You know, mm -hmm. now all of a sudden they're interested. So it's that same thing of just being the example that you want them to be. So, so what would you tell a parent who think that that's like, you know, oh, I don't think my child can do that because, you know, they don't have the attention span or, I mean, mm -hmm. how, do, how do you, how do you, approach it from that standpoint when you have a, a parent that doesn't think their child is capable? Sure. Well, um, one, there's always a way. So if the attention span is short, you know, what do they like to do? Do they want to get up and play? Okay. So let's read this page or read this two pages, whatever that right combination is, and then we'll go outside and throw the ball. Okay, or they love to play football. Let's go get a book about football. And again, it can be a picture book. Mm -hmm. It can be, you know, just football, basketball, different types of balls. This is what a football court, a football field looks like. This is what a basketball court looks like. And then take them there and let them recognize or point out things that they read in the book. So if it interests them, that's how you catch their attention because they are interested in that. So Picture books would be great for that. It, it doesn't have to be an hour. It can literally start off as five minutes. So that's what I would encourage parents to do is find something that they like, and then they will want to read about it because they're interested in it. Short time frames are great uh, for kids that have uh, short attention spans, 10 minutes, and let them pick the topics, give them a sense of ownership. Again, we never want it to be parents making them do this, but hey, you know, what do you think you would like to read? What do you think you want to, to learn about? You know, what, come and pick out one of these books, the children's section and every major metropolitan area has a big library. Even if it's a small regional library or a small local library, take them to the regional library. Maybe it's 20 minutes away. Let them feel the awe. Oh my gosh, you mean I can take home any of these books with me? you start that early, you will develop that sense of awe and wonder for reading, even for a kid that would have a short attention span. 
The second thing you can do uh, is allow them to do read-alongs. The internet is filled with uh, YouTube videos where you can do read-alongs where the kid can be entertained in a very animated fashion while they read along in their book. So generally that will capture their interest more so than just sitting and reading alone. Right. Yeah, there are so many ways now where you can and and promote that. Absolutely. So use all the, the tips and tricks and tools that are out there just to captivate that interest and let them be a part of the process. So speaking so speaking of that, fast mm-hmm. forward to today, your kids, these little kids who enjoy reading. Mm-hmm. Where are they now? And and tell me how you managed to get them into some of the top universities in the country. Well, I will tell you, it was a long process, meaning we didn't start this in 11th grade. So at age eight and nine and 10, we're having conversations about, where do you think you want to go to college? That was the question. It's not, do you want to go? It's where do you think you might want to go? What state do you think you might want to go to? Uh, what do you think you might want to be? So by having these conversations early, I would say by middle school, each of my kids knew they wanted to go because we had had, by that time, hundreds of conversations about it. So I shared my experience at college, how much I loved it, how fun it was. Hearing is believing. So I would say around 11, 12, they're like, okay, I want to go to college and have fun. So it did start rather early in our household. And then there was also the rewarding of them for good grades. You know, when they would, I would tell them, mommy's paying, you know, $5 for every A, $4 for every B. If you get a C, minus $5. So if they got too many Cs, they would owe me money. Um, and we played that game for a long time until they took over their the ownership of their own grades. And it just became a regular thing, honor rolls, semester after semester. So those are the things that led up to it. And then um, it was different for each one. My my oldest daughter, she really wants to be in politics. And like I was telling you earlier, she wanted to go to the law camp. She wants to be a lawyer in the political arena. So she wanted to go to a top school in the Washington DC area. She decided upon American University she was able to get an honor scholarship, which is very hard. Only a handful of students get those. And there was a long process of not just the application, but several additional essays that we worked on uh, quite diligently with. Examples, what do you want to do if you're afforded this opportunity? How would you give back to the community? So these were conversations that we'd been having for years. You know, What do you want to do with a law degree? In her case, she really wants to help uh, offenders and those who can't really um, adequately retain good legal counsel. So it's like, okay, let's share that experience. Let's share about your law camp experience because she had now been doing, expressing this interest for years. So that's how we turned that into some wonderful essays and, and case scenarios about what she would do with this degree. And she was able to get that spot at American University. And a lot of scholarship support is available when you are able to show that this is not just, oh, I want the scholarship money, but this is my passion. I've actually been doing this for several years. And here's why I would make a great student at your school. So she was able to parlay that. 
Now, my son, uh, his story is a little bit different for a very long time. He loves the sciences. He's one who would read the periodic table, you know, in junior <laughs> high school. <laughs> so doing lots of his own study on the sciences, earth, physics, chemistry. He loved the little medical sets, uh, just learning about all things science. So um, we, of course, supplemented a lot of his education with those types of camps and programs. I showed him a movie. One night we had movie night. And I hope I can, yeah, I remember the name of the movie. I like to introduce them to movies where the African-American experience, even if it's a harsh one, it turns into something beautiful. I remember the movie night and the movie I showed was The Great Debaters. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> All three of them were so glued to that screen. And I kid you not, true story. After that movie, my son went and joined the debate team. Wow. <laughs> In middle school, he saw those kids, those brown skinned kids standing up there and, you know, speaking so eloquently and so confidently. And I think the setting was at an HBCU mm -hmm. and they were going through the South, doing all these debates and just articulating and hitting it and just doing an awesome job. So he joined the debate team. Well, the following year in middle school, he was president of the debate team. He was so passionate about it. He spent hours preparing and researching for the debates, the topics he would practice. And from that second year through 12th grade, he was always president of debate. He did so well, <clears throat> I'm getting a little teary, just telling the story. He did so well in debate. He joined Urban Debate League, which is an, um, a community-based program to get kids from urban areas interested in debate because it does so much for you, confidence, articulation, being able to express yourself, research, because you don't talk off the top of your head. You are researching some pretty heavy topics that um, he won some additional competitions. And he came in number one school-wide in the county, statewide and nationally. That's excellent. <laughs> that is awesome. Thank you. And he got the attention of some top schools, some top debate schools, and Harvard was one of them. And they recruited him heavily. And he was able to get pretty much a full scholarship. They don't have scholarships per se, but he was able to get a significant amount of aid and join Harvard's debate team right out of high school. So that's his story. Mm -hmm. And again, starting them early and just so, just... so just from you taking the time to show them a classic movie, it changed his whole life. It changed his whole life. Yeah. about his own history. His own history. Yeah. And seeing kids that look like him go from shy and introverted to finding a place on those podiums. Wow. He, he loved it. And without my even telling him, he came home one day and said, Mom, I joined the debate team. I know that that came from that movie. Mm -hmm. because it was within like a two month span. Right. And look what, look what it did for him. That caught his attention. So these are kind of little nuggets that we can plant along the way to see what they're interested in and see what grabs their attention. Now, I, I have a question too, and 
and I think it's a good question for you because you know you're from DC. I'm from DC. Yes. <laughs> and there's a more of a rich history. And just being able to look around you in any setting and see somebody who looks just like you possibly doing something that you may want to do. Yes. But unfortunately, not every place is like that in America. Mm -hmm. So how do you, what would you tell parents of, of, of black kids who don't see themselves in potential areas of study or, or work that they may want to be interested in, but because they don't see, they don't think it's possible. That's an excellent question, Barbara. And to that, I would say the internet opens an entire world to us that would not ordinarily be accessible in your backyard. The movies, you can bring scenarios right in your living room. So I did a whole series on, I did a whole series on black college movies. Now I wasn't showing them any Spike Lee's movies, okay? Mm -hmm. But I showed them the great debaters. That was on a, a college campus. I showed them a couple couple of MIT movies. I forget the name of it, but there was one movie about some MIT kids who entered a robotics competition and they got number one. Um, well, no, I'm sorry. It was a high school. It was a high school in California. Uh, again, poor community. A bunch of kids uh, came together and they entered a robotics competition. They became number one, and then MIT was there at the competition and, and one of those students got a full ride to MIT. I was, I was researching these movies. So I showed them these types of movies to see, to want to, to get them to know that you can go from here to there. It was, it was psychological, I did it on purpose. So research parents, just do some research. You can find black films. Um, oh gosh, there was another one, Antoine Fisher. Mm -hmm. Remember that movie? It was about an, an urban kid who I think he had a mentor, Denzel Washington, I think played his mentor. I'm not really sure, but it was something along those lines and he was able to go very far. These are the types of inspirational movies you want to show your kids. There was another one, Pride, I think it was about a, um, a swim team mm -hmm. where, again, a bunch of urban kids, the coach mentored them, got them on the same page. Together they achieved the goal. Watch these movies with your kids. Every weekend, there's another one that you can find that really instills this sense of pride and you can do it and going from the bottom to the top. That's what I recommend because then after the movies, you can have these discussions with your kid. Like, what do you think about that? Do you think that's possible to, to go from not knowing anything about debate to being number one, to not having any swimming lessons, to joining a swim team, practicing every day and becoming a champion. What do you think about that? And that will stir up something in them. Trust me, something's gonna click. And the earlier the better, right? <laughs> and the earlier the better. So when they're in these situations, they're not gonna shrink back. They're gonna remember the movie Pride. They're gonna remember the movie, The Great Debaters. They're gonna remember this. And it will help them to say, if they can do it, I can do it too. So you're literally planting seeds of overcoming in your children's spirit when you do this. So it's possible through through media now. Wow. Okay, so we have the great American University. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Barbara and I both graduated from that school. Shout out to AU Eagles. <laughs> we have 
uh, Harvard that doesn't need an introduction. Okay, <laughs> I know you said there's a third one, so let's let's hear about the journey to the third child. Yes. So my third child is in her senior year of high school, mm -hmm. and already she's been getting some great offers to some wonderful universities. So I can't say just yet. If you yeah. have me back on the show, Barbara, maybe. I sure will. For the great show. <laughs> for, the, for the part two, we can let you know her decision. She is the, the, the creative child. So she loves all things art. She loves beauty. She's into makeup. She's into artistic scenery. Um, but she's brought up in a household where we talk quite a lot about entrepreneurship. And again, that's on purpose. So I show them movies too about uh, starting your own business from scratch. I teach them why it's important that we are entrepreneurs. And this was coming from me as a corporate citizen. I had a corporate job, but I still taught my kids why it's important that we own our own businesses. So she decided that, well, okay. So I told you she loves being creative. She went out and was able to get a job, one, as a wedding planner. So uh, oftentimes on the weekends, she helps set up these beautiful, elaborate weddings in these gorgeous settings. She works with her aunt who does wedding planning. And then she was able to work with another aunt who is a real estate agent and she flips houses. So with that aunt, she, she will go around and you know buy furniture for staging and again, helps beautify these homes before they go on the market for sale. So when it came time for her, she said, I love houses and I love making houses beautiful. So I wanna work with a design firm and basically design the interior of the houses that the architectural firm makes. So that's what she wants to go to school for. She's gonna study entrepreneurship and business Mm -hmm. And at some point, partner with an architectural firm and see how she can make that dream come true, being, in t being an interior designer. That's excellent. And, and Yvette, what I love is that you not only um, just wanted to get your kids into school, and, and, but you wanted to make sure that they had a path towards a career and a life. And I think a lot of times that kids think that, you know, oh, I want to go to college and college is the end goal, but it's not really the end goal. I mean, you go to college and, and sometimes you might not go to a traditional college, mm -hmm. but the end goal is how are you going to take care of yourself for the rest of your life? That's the whole point of it. That, you're right, Barbara. That is the whole point of it. And I would just add to that. Um, this is something I learned from my pastor many years ago. He said, find what you love and then find a way to make money at it. And if you do that, if you do what you love, then you never work a day in your life because you're having a good time. And that stuck with me, like just imprinted on my soul. It's like, yeah, just do what you love. Now for a long time, I couldn't find, figure that out, but I did believe it. And I would share that with my kids. So it was never, you should do this. You should do this. You should do this. It was never that it was, what do you like? What sparks your interest? Looking at them, what is it that they're talking about in their eyes just, you know, get bigger and brighter? So whatever they love, that's what you want to help them with. And that's the key to great parenting. A wonderful parent brings out what's already inside of the child. 
because we're all born with gifts and dreams and talents. So your job is to ignite and show the way of how to make that dream a reality, not to give them your own dreams. And that's where I feel, unfortunately, many of us go astray where we try to say, you should be a this because it's good money in that, or you should be a that. No, 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 no. Everybody comes here with their own sense of dreams. Allow the child to develop and you support. The parent's job is to support and ignite what's already there. And they will love you for that because now you've helped them to, to unwrap and develop what's already there, what was already God-given. And that's what really will make the difference in a child being happy for life, which is what you're talking about, Barbara. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So speaking of journeys, so <laughs> you're, you're almost an empty nester. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. So let's with talk- COVID, they've come back. So what's up with that? I feel cheated. <laughs> That's true. So you have to get, you have to reclaim your time after all of this, right? Right, exactly. So, so with that, so now that your kids are, are, are well on their way, um, you are an author as well, not just a parent expert, but an author, a uh, playwright, uh, mm-hmm. a YouTuber. Yes. Uh, explain to us and that a former former corporate employee. Explain to us your story and where you plan to go from here. Oh boy, how much time do I have? No, <laughs> all the time in the world. <laughs> I will make it short and sweet. Uh, sometimes, okay. So yes, graduating from college, I was a corporate citizen. I went to work for some top firms in the area. Did the whole corporate thing because that's what my parents instilled in me. You go to college, you get a good job. You know, sometimes it was go to college, get a good government job, but definitely go to college and get a good job. And that's what I did because that's really all I heard. We didn't have a lot of entrepreneurship in my family. But sometimes you find yourself in a situation where you are unemployed. And that was the situation I found myself in after working a good 25 years in corporate America with a very nice steady paycheck. So I was unemployed during the time of COVID. There was no quick turnaround and going back and finding a job. Everything was changing so fast. Buildings downtown were just completely shut, closed down, hiring freezes everywhere. What was I going to do? So a friend of mine encouraged me, didn't you say you wanted to write a book? That was a dream that I had put on a shelf a long time ago. And I said, yeah, yeah. I started a book about five years ago that I never finished. So after I had become increasingly frustrated with sending out tons of resumes and getting a lot of oh, your resume looks good. We'll contact you again once we're hiring again. Those type of responses. My friend kept prodding me. Didn't you say you want to write a book? Why don't you write the book? Why don't you finish your book? So finally I did after, really after just going nowhere in the job market. I went back to a book that I had started writing five years ago. And lo and behold, I pulled that book out and I finished that book in five weeks. Wow. 
a book that I had started five years ago, I completed in five weeks when I had the time uh, during time of unemployment. So I finished it and I actually liked it. I was like, I like this. I like being a writer. So around the same time when I found myself uh, unemployed and being at home, my mom was really going through some issues with her health. So I was helping her out a lot. And I told you she was a public school teacher and she had a couple books I remembered that she had written a while back and it was always her dream to publish those books. So one day, this is like a whole six, seven, eight months later after I'd finished my book, I pulled her books out and they were the cutest stories. I said, you know what? I want to publish these for mom because at this point she was not going to be able to publish them herself. So I created a few more books and decided to make it a series because they were children's books for ages like five, six, seven, somewhere around there, preschool. I said, you know what, this is a great idea. I added more books, I made it a series or a book set, and now I have five books and I titled it The Adventures of Sunny because the main character was this active, inquisitive boy named Sunny. So I had my book that I had written and these five books that I helped mom write. And I said, I'm gonna publish them for her because at this point, mom was 85 years old. Don't know how much longer we're gonna have her with us. And I want to make her dream come true. So I went through a long process of finding a good partner, not only an illustrator, but a partner in the children's book market that could help me with everything I didn't know, you know, how to get it on Amazon, how to get it into an ebook format, copyright, just editing, uh, illustrations, book layout. So they really helped me with that. And I published those books uh, just two months ago now. So we're only, we're still new, a new author. And you can find them on Amazon under The Adventures of Sunny, S-U-N-N-Y. And my name, Yvette Davis, as the author. Um, so if you go to Amazon, you'll see five books under that title. Started by a school teacher, my mom. Finished and published by her daughter, myself, for kids of all ages to be able to enjoy. That's the event of the story. That's a very beautiful story. And my mom, uh, when she retired, she loved kids and she just wanted to do something to encourage literature because she was an elementary school teacher and a reading specialist for uh, quite a bit of her career. And she knew the importance of reading with your kids. She would say she could always tell when a kid comes into the classroom if they're readers at home or if their parents are readers. Because some kids come in, they know how to do it. They, they understand what a chapter is. And some kids like book, no, no clue in elementary school because they're not used to reading. So reading with your kids really does give them a head start into so many skills that are useful for college. And that is not a stretch at all. It's actually proven. They take better, better um, learning of vocabulary. They understand context a lot better. They enjoy it. They have a similitude to be able to do it. They're phonetically more advanced, all of that. So yes, there is a direct link between reading early and uh, those reading SAT scores, which help you get into college. Excellent. 
So as uh, you you also have a YouTube channel where you actually do read to children, correct? <laughs> yes, that's that's right. So um, I guess at, at some point I decided, well, you know what? If I don't know how long this um, situation with COVID is going to last, and I'm going to take my situation and do the very best that I can with it for me. So loving kids like I do and loving the whole parenting process, I just wanted to put out something positive for children. So I started a Storytime channel. It's called Storytime with Miss Diamond. That's on YouTube, Storytime with Miss MS Diamond. And that's D-Y-M-O-N-D. And I've always loved Aesop's fables, Barbara. I don't know about you. You remember those stories? Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're those quick little stories that always have a wonderful moral message in them. So what I did was I started reading those stories and each episode on Storytime with Miss Diamond is one fable. And I talk, read the fable and then I talk about the lessons at the end because they're not always obvious. So we spend about half the time on the story and then half the time on the lessons that are learned and the lessons that can be gleaned and the values that can come from this, these stories because that's what we really want to stick. So I'm not just reading the tortoise and the hare, I'm reading it, but I'm talking about what happens to the kid who always thinks he knows everything and, mm -hmm. and tries to bully you and tease you. Well, if you are just steady and doing what you're wanting to do and keep focusing on your finish line, you'll be able to finish and oftentimes surpass those who made fun of you. So slow and steady, is important and wins the race oftentimes. So it's these type of things that we talk about. And are you doing it for the crowd? And are you doing it because it's something you wanna do? And then that story, the hare, you know, bullied the tortoise. Oh, I can beat you, you know, you're so slow. And he did it for the crowd, he did it for the cheering, but got cocky and fell asleep. And then the crowd actually cheered for the tortoise as the tortoise slowly comes across the finish line. So again, it's these type of things that if you instill them in a kid early, I believe it will really help them when they get to those tough places in life because it's it's inside and they will come back in some way, those lessons. I, I, I did have an opportunity to listen to a couple of your stories. And I think I shared with you earlier that it's so funny because it's like, are you sure this is just for kids? Because you know, a lot of adults who can listen to these because they can get something from it. <laughs> that's so funny and a, a lot of my friends say that they're like I love your stories you should do some more and a couple of them have matriculated into more so adult story times I'm just talking about life in general uh, scenarios that we can pull from these stories which are really timeless right. so that's probably next story time 2.0 exactly you know, for the adults yeah <laughs> Especially over the last four years we just had, we need to kind of get back to that moral base, right? Absolutely. And I think so many people are seeing that. So mm -hmm. I guess that's the good thing that happens out of crazy times. You kind of reset often. Exactly. And I think we're going through a big worldwide reset. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank <laughs> you for, for sharing your story with us. I mean, it's 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 good to know that that they're there are parents out there who who take the time and and you can see you're you're reaping the the, the fruit of your labor. <laughs> as yeah. we speak. 
And you know, you can do this at any stage. I want the parents out there to know wherever you find yourself, even if your kids are already teenagers, it's never too late to have those conversations with them and see what they're interested in. Have them put their phones down for a little while. <laughs> they like watching movies, like, okay, let me watch something with you. Um, see what they're watching. Just take that interest. Take that couple hours. You like TikTok videos? Well, watch a few with them. And then you and your daughter and you and your son or you and your family, make some together and just use whatever you can as a point of connection. Mm -hmm. And if you start there, seeing what they like, seeing what they're interested in, well, what, what would you want to do? You know, if you, if you were home and had the time, what do you like? So it's ideal to start this when they're in preschool, Barbara, but it's never too late. Wherever you find yourself, just start investing that time, mining what's inside of them, and then really getting behind and supporting that and steering your child uh, toward that place where they want to go. So uh, with that, I hope that what I'm leaving here in the world, you know, with the YouTube channel, Storytime with Miss Diamond, and the adventures of Sunny, I pray that those books will really help to instill some values in kids and allow for some good bonding with parents and kids. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to share with your audience. <laughs>